Welcome to the new episode of Starting Your Own Coffee Shop. I am Jerry Stolani, the founder of Cafe Chocolat in downtown DC. I had no experience when I started four years ago. And if I can do it, you can too. Tune in. The podcast finally has a home on the web at ristrettotime.com. R-I-S... T-R-E-T-T-O time, T-I-M-E dot com. Sorry, stratotime.com. And uh, the reason why I decided to set up a website is because I wanted to make sure that I gave you, the listeners, a way to provide feedback, to communicate back, uh, and also to let me know if there are things you want me to talk about, there are questions that you have, uh, issues that you're running into, and want a second opinion. Um, I would gladly love to uh, to help out. So it's also a good way to uh, provide feedback. So again, ristretotime.com. Hello, friends. Welcome to the 10th episode of starting and running your own coffee shop. If you've probably noticed, we changed the podcast name to Ristretto Time. Um, and made it Ristretto Time Presents Starting and Running Your Own Coffee Shop. I feel like changing the name will help. It, it will help expand on the themes that we cover. I mean, all of them are about, I would say, centered around coffee shops and, and centered around running them, but not make it not feel like it's a lecture course, right? It just it just gives a little bit more freedom in terms of things that we would cover, things you know that I would like to approach and how to approach them. So, having said that, let's get to one of my favorite topics, and I can talk about this all day: is how to get noticed by the media, how to get PR for free, how to make the biggest bang without spending any bucks um i think full dis- full disclosure uh, i've i've spent you know all of my career in marketing um all of my training is in marketing so maybe you know and i also have taught marketing at the college level um so maybe you know i'm i'm, I'm not necessarily the guy who just kind of went out there and knew how to do it. I mean, it took me a long time to get to kind of understand things the way I do now. Uh, but um, but again, you know, the the things that the thing that I've realized is that the more you think about this stuff, the harder you just make it for yourself. I mean, uh, marketing is. I I want to say yes. There's a big part of it that's science, but a lot of it is intuitive. At the end of the day. Um, everybody's a marketer, right? And everybody's a brand manager. Your name is a brand. The way you act, the way you talk, uh, what you do, what your life is about, and the friends that you have, they're all attracted to you because of your brand, right? So we've all kind of, you know, without having gone to school for it, have learned how to manage our own brands, right? And 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 running a coffee shop and owning your coffee shop is is no different. It's it's got its own identity, and you have to really kind of understand what it is 
about what it stands for, but also have a little bit of an understanding of your clientele, uh, the area that's around you, and what are they interested in. And all of this information will help you figure out exactly what the right message is and how to keep, you know, keep hitting on that message so that you stay in people's mind all the time. Um, I think the the best thing that we were able to do at Cafe Chocolat, it's not necessarily the product. I mean, the product was on point. Um, and and I loved it when people came in and, and told me this is the best chocolate they've ever had in their life. And, and that's awesome. But what got the word out there is all of the stuff that we did to get people to notice us, to get people to come. Uh, to the shop and to get people to talk about the shop um, and I'll talk a lot about some of the stuff that we did um, a lot of it was kind of like off the cuff very fun uh, but just don't be scared to go out there and experiment and even if it doesn't stick um, even if it just kind of backfires a little bit who cares you tried it and just keep trying something new one thing uh, that I've learned and one thing that you will learn as well is that your customers are forgiving. I mean, again, you know, you have to have the right product. You have to have the right pricing, you know, uh, pricing for it. But at the end of the day, uh, if you try a marketing campaign and you're a, a small coffee shop, customers will forgive, you know, and sometimes that could even help, you know, uh, get the product name to stick. So at Café Chocolat, we were able to get into the front page of The Guardian. We were able to get into The Washington Post. Um, we were able to get into The Times of India. Uh, we had um, one journalist from uh, Norway, Channel 2 in Norway, stop by the shop and, and tell us that we were major news in Norway, which is actually pretty funny. Um ABC, local ABC has been at the shop. Local CBS has been at the shop. Uh, a couple of um, TV stations from Indonesia had been at the shop. Um, Albania, um, Russia Today, RT was at the shop. And actually they filmed an intro for one of their uh, shows at the shop. Uh, who else? Reuters was there um, at the shop, um, and there's pictures of, of you know, sort of the shop and in, in, in their articles, um, and 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 the way we were able to get this stuff done is because we we were constantly trying to figure out how to get on the news, how to do it, how to get people to notice who we are. Um, in terms of the local uh, shops, I mean, the local uh, magazines or newspapers were in Washington City, uh, City Paper a couple of times. One thing that you need to realize is food writers, they have an article or two that they have to submit every week and they're struggling just like you and I to meet deadlines, right? So what you want to do, you want to come up with ideas on things they can write about without saying, hey, come write about my coffee shop, right? So you wanna constantly, I mean, you need to do a little bit of work, but you need to kind of understand 
what is it they're writing about, how often, when do their newspapers or magazines or online journals, whatever it is that they have, come um, come out, like when do they get published, how often, because you then will be able to understand what their deadlines are and what their pressure times are, right? And you want to be the supplier of information. Here is what I did um, at the shop. So journalists hang out on Twitter. It's, it's their bread and butter. That's where they talk to each other. That's where they spend most of the day on. So you're going to find them on Twitter. So what you want to do is you go to your to the local city, right? You go to your local newspapers and you find out who the food writers are. And you add all of them on Twitter and you start, you know, liking their stuff. You literally slide into their Twitter and you comment on some of their stuff because the more they see you, uh, your name, yeah, familiarity means likability, and 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 what they'll do is, you know, the next time you kind of have a tip, they've seen your name before. You're not just a random guy who just popped up. You've kind of been in their radar for a while, for a month or two, so they're familiarized with your name, right? So what I would do is, I would find. I wouldn't really talk about my shop, right? But like I would find all these food writers and I would kind of send a tweet like, hey, you know, this amazing matcha shop just opened in, I don't know, Arlington or something. Um, Yeah, just give it a look. This is great, right? It has nothing to do with me, but I'm providing them a source. I'm providing them something they can write about, something they can talk about. Now I'm the guy who's feeding them stuff. Now this is not going to work all the time, right? It's not going to work with everybody. But if it works with one or two food writers, it's a guaranteed article or mention of your shop at some point in time in your local newspaper or magazine. And then, you know, so that's so the first time that we, we even got on the radar is exactly by doing that. I wrote to one of the food writers in town. I said, hey, I read your article about XYZ. And it was, uh, you know, the, the, the journalist had written about some big national chain that somehow opened a, a store in town, right? And I wrote back on Twitter and I said, you know, this is great. A great article, totally loved it, amazing what this big chain is doing. However, I would love to see, I would love to see our local food writers talk about the amazing food scene here in town. And, and then the answer that came back was, I'm on it. I'm going to go check out these shops like in the next couple of days. So, boom, on the on the newspaper and who cares that my article included also these two other uh names that I've thrown in. Hey, you know, if it helps them, great. I'd love to have an article all about my shop, but even, you know, a third of it, I'm good with it. I didn't pay any money for it. Um and and it's good exposure right because when i started the shop the first thing that happened was i had a pr agency approach me and say hey if you give us ten thousand dollars we'll put you on the washingtonian and we'll put you in all these magazines and i thought to myself listen ten thousand dollars is a lot of money and there is absolutely no guarantee that me being on the on the washingtonian for ten thousand dollars is really going to do anything for the longevity of my business right so i can use that money somewhere else and and in different ways and i could you know sure ten thousand dollars would get me very easy 
into into these magazines but I can do the legwork myself and I can get to know these uh, food writers myself and I can tap into you know whatever resources they need and I could provide that source and then I don't have to spend ten thousand dollars to be on an article but I have this, I can spend zero dollars and just a lot of time and end up in a lot of articles right so that was one way so follow your local food writers, find out who they are, get on Twitter, familiarize yourself with them, and you, you help them at the end of the day. They're bored, they're tired, as glamorous as their job sounds, they probably don't even like most of the food that they get to try. Um, one interesting thing I can tell you and how, what led me to, to this realization is a long time ago, I was used to work for Lynn Chocolate, and I used to uh, go to a lot of these shops to talk to a lot of these chocolate buyers. And my understanding was if you're going to be the chocolate buyer for a big grocery chain, right? Whether it's, you know, your local grocery store or even like a Walmart or a Target, you know, the assumption is you probably really understand chocolate very well and you love trying all of them and you love learning as much as you can about them. But I was met with completely the opposite. Most of the people that I talked to didn't know anything about chocolate, didn't care about chocolate. Um, I've even had people tell me, listen, uh, you know, I'd go in and be like, hey, listen, we have this new amazing Lynn chocolate that you want to try. And they'd be like, no, I'm sorry, I'm a Hershey person. And I'm thinking to myself, like, how can you even do your job and be a Hershey person? But then what that makes you realize is that you know, food writers don't necessarily love a lot of the food they eat, right? It's just a job for them. They just need to meet those deadlines, and that's where you come in. You help them make their life easy, and they'll love you for it, right? So that's that's one big way. The second big way we actually were able to get on the news, and it was a lot of fun for us, was the street sign. That is probably your best advertising tool um, and it's going to be not only for free right you're gonna pay the $70 whatever it costs to get but it's going to provide dividends every day you're out there and the only limitation is your imagination right so um, one the reason why that street sign the sign that you put outside is amazing and it works is um, there's, there's this book out there called the power of habit, right? Um, check it out. It's, it's really interesting. I, it's, I felt it was a little bit repetitious, but, but one of the things is that it talks about how to create habits is you set triggers, right? And to me, that sign outside the door is a trigger. People are not necessarily, I mean, for coffee, coffee is, uh, you know, a plant purchase generally, right? You wake up in the morning, you know that you're going to go get your coffee before you go to work, right? But for chocolate, that, that happens to be kind of like an impulse buy, right? The way to create that habit is to put that trigger out there, right? So we put, so the sign plays the role of a trigger. People walk by it, see the name chocolate on it, and then it, it, it triggers their brain to kind of go, oh, I need that right now, right? So, so you want to use that sign as much as possible. And if you have to fight with your landlord, and if your landlord says you can't put out signs out the door, 
that's one thing that you should fight about and that's one battle you need to win you have to be able to put stuff outside of the store so people know you're there because if they don't know you're there they'll walk by i've had people literally stand in front of my store a foot away you know from the door with their back to the store calling me trying to find out where i am and i'd be like just literally just turn around and take a couple of steps back because i'm gonna hit you with the door um so that that street sign is 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 something that you need to have but also you need to be able to update it every day you want people to go in see it and kind of understand that every day you're going to put something new on it right um one of the things and you have to i feel like you have to put a theme um to it so our theme at the shop and again we were right in front of the white house um everybody around us had some type of relation to politics right and had some type of relation to everything that happens daily in the new in the u.s from a news cycle perspective right so it made sense for us to target our messaging especially to that audience right so the the so we used to we used to have a lot of fun with it so we we decided that what we were going to do even though it had nothing to do with coffee it had nothing to do with chocolate and nothing to do with anything we did um we decided we were going to be the smart social commentary on anything that happened at the white house or in congress or you know anything that had to do with some type of uh political or dc related event right um so the the biggest actually thing that we that that got us the most attention uh, and it was huge was when uh uh, uh trump uh called a few countries shithole countries right so the next day we're like ooh, let's how do we capitalize on this right like how do we do something smart about this so we put the sign out and said free coffee to everybody from Haiti, Venezuela, um, I don't remember, like it was four or five countries. And then because he had said something like, why are we bringing people from these shithole countries here, like Haiti and Venezuela, and not from Norway, right? So our sign said, free coffee to everybody from, you know, Salvador, Venezuela, or whatever, um, Haiti, and then, and Norwegians, right? So, so we kind of like, hey, we love everybody here. It doesn't matter, right? Um, and that got so much attention that it was published in blogs around the world. It was on the news everywhere. Um, Norway was huge because it was fun, right? Like, we're the ones who were saying, you know, freak off for everybody. And I'm sorry, Norwegians, you got pulled into this um, as well. And we had people come to the shop, like, with Norwegian flags and trying to prove to us that they're Norwegian or Haitian or whatever, you know, showing their IDs so we could give them free coffee. And it didn't matter to us. <laughs> it, was, it was fun. People wanted to come and take pictures with us and, you know, TV stations were there. And it was, we got so much PR mileage out of that specific that, um, that we're like, 
yep, this is it. We're, we're going to continue this route, right? So every time something would happen, like somebody would make a goff on something or whatever, we would do a smart commentary on it. And if you looked at our, you know, what people talked about us in social media, what people talked about us in Yelp or anything else, one thing that always stood out was, you know, a comment, something like, yep, Café Chocolat's stand game is really, really strong, right? So even if people weren't coffee lovers or coffee consumers or, you know, chocolate consumers, they knew about us because of this. Like they would walk by just to see what our sign would say that day, right? But what that does is, you know, maybe you don't like coffee, maybe you don't like chocolate, but if you have to go to somebody's birthday, now you know that you can stop at the chocolate shop because of, you know, that sign already kind of imprinted us in your brain. You know that every time there's an event and you need to give a gift to somebody, you're going to stop at our shop and then buy a gift, right? So, so that generated really like uh, a lot of PR and it was a lot of fun. We did the same thing. Um, I think when uh, the federal government shut down a bunch of times, it would say, hey, free coffee, you know, to Fed employees. And, you know, the Guardian wanted to talk about what happened to the Fed, what's going on in the in the situation in D.C. And they would come in, they'd take a picture of our sign that said free coffee, you know, to federal employees. And and it was literally like the main picture on the headline and on the main page saying a sign of the times. Right. So, you know, and, and you see Cafe Chocolat on it. And that's that's awesome. Right. Because you get in on the news without having to do anything um yeah so so try to use that sign try to take advantage of it as much as possible and be as clever as possible um you know with it and just have fun i mean at the end of the day if it's not funny you know um then it, it won't resonate it won't stick um we would even because we had a starbucks next to us uh so what we would do is you know if you or we would put a sign that said tired of Starbucks, you're going to love us. And we would get tons of Starbucks. People come in and be like, yeah, man, I'm tired of Starbucks. What do you got? Um, so just just use that. That's a that's a great way to draw people in. Try to leverage Instagram. Instagram is huge. Um, and especially if you if you have products that people want to take a picture of. Um, or, or when you design products, always try to design them with that, the, the shareability in mind because people taste with their eyes, right? So that's why it was, it's important to, you know, whenever I hired people at the shop, I never hired somebody with absolutely zero experience because it was really important to me to get somebody who either knew latte art or we could train to do latte art. And it doesn't have to be, you know, champion latte art. You know, it, it could just be something simple. But people want that. They expect that. And they, they now, uh, especially young people nowadays, don't necessarily buy stuff because they love it. They buy it because first they got to put it on Instagram and then they'll drink it, right? So, so you want to make sure that you leverage that, um, as much as possible. One of the things that happens all the time, especially in food, is um, influencers. And when you have your shop, you will get a lot of them to stop by. 
Um, and some of them have a lot of followers and some of them don't. Uh, but somehow everybody is an influencer and everybody wants to talk about your shop or come in and see if they can get a dollar out of you to, to you know, to, to, uh, to be able to push your products, right, on their Instagram page. Um, I'm, I have a few friends that are um, influencers. It's great. You know, what they do is great. It's not for me. Um, I don't, didn't really work with any influencers or if they came in, they said, listen, we'll do it for free. Absolutely great. But I refused to pay influencers because at the end of the day, that influencer has thousands of pictures. You are just one fleeting second in, in their feed, right? Nobody's going to remember your stuff. Um, and even if you get a bump, you'll get a bump for a few days or maybe a week and, and that bump will not stick, uh, just because they've already moved on to the new product. They've already moved on to the new place. They're showing pictures and you're, you're now competing with everybody else in a very busy, noisy environment, uh, one and two, uh, a lot of these follower, a lot of these followers, especially if you're a local shop and that was the thing with me, right? Like we only had one shop. This wasn't like a national chain. And and a lot of these people have followers from everywhere. So I had somebody come into the shop with like 140,000 followers. And they're like, listen, you know, pay me $250 and I'll put a picture on my Instagram feed. And I said, you know, I, I kind of did my math, right? So if I pay him $250, how many chocolates or coffee or whatever do I need to sell to be able to even break even, right? And it ended up like, I don't know, being like 150 to 200 products I needed to sell to be able to get um, that money back. There was no way this person is going to bring 100 people to the shop. Absolutely not. Even though he had 146,000 followers or, or 50,000 followers, whatever he had at the time. Um, because you have to understand, most of them are not even, don't even live in the city, right? Um, a good number of them are bots. And even the ones that live in the city are not necessarily going to be coffee consumers. They're probably there because they love the picture of a taco. They're probably there because they love the picture of, I don't know, a big steak or a lobster dish or whatever. They're not necessarily your consumer. So if you break it down that way, the number of people that will, of those 140,000 uh, followers that that person has that are local, right, that actually can come to your shop that's also very important and also like to buy something you have becomes very 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 small so the 250 dollars you spend now it's not worth it because you're never going to get that money back um again that's my thinking uh that's how i thought about this stuff and and again if you think instagrams are the way to get to everything do it you know go talk to them spend the money make them friends whatever you need to do to be on on Instagram influencers feeds. Um, it just didn't work for me. Um, the the next part, which I think you know, in terms of like how do you get your name out there, in terms of PR, is your employees. If you have a great relationship with your employees, they're also going to work very very hard to make you look good, 
right? They're going to talk to their friends. Um, because of our employees, there were a lot of opportunities to participate in lots of art competitions and even bring them to the shop. I didn't go for it because I just, the shop, I didn't think the shop was set up for something like that. Um, and I didn't want it to be, you know, kind of a place where all the baristas hung out. That's not really what my intention was, but, but it's really important to kind of keep that great relationship with your employees because they're also, they also know a lot of people. Um, and sometimes you're not going to be there and you're going to get, you know, somebody who wants to write an article about the shop, right? And they're going to be talking to your employees and not you. So whatever ends up being on a newspaper may be something you don't like uh, because of what they said. So the better your relationship with your employees, the better you're going to end up um, looking, you know, if you end up on, on the news in some way or another. Um, I would recommend one book that kind of got me to think outside the box when it comes to doing PR. Um, and it was by um, Ryan Holiday. Um, and it was actually the, the first book that I read by him called Trust Me, I'm Lying. Um, when he was the uh, director of marketing for American Apparel, I believe, um, he didn't really have the classical marketing training that, you know, like I've gone through or most marketers have gone through. So he just kind of made it up as he went by, right? But when you don't have the limitations that I have um, in terms of, you know, how I approach marketing, you know, in, from a classical standpoint, then everything is possible. Um, and, and even manipulation becomes one thing that, will work because it meets your goals, right? Um, and, and I think there's definitely some truth to it. I mean, you you want to be ethical about it, right? You, you can't lie uh, because that's going to be the death of your business. Um, but at the end of the day, the most important thing about doing PR for your own business is you have to stop feeling kind of ashamed or you have to you have to stop putting constraints on yourself like i can't reach out to this food writer cuz they're going to you know not like me anymore or not write or or avoid me or whatever it is there is absolutely no shame in doing everything possible to promote your business. Remember, you are putting your future on the line, right? You're taking money from your savings and you're putting out there and it's it's imperative that it succeeds. And if it takes you making a few people angry or annoyed at you for trying to push everything possible, uh, they're trying to push your business, then let that be so. Who cares? You know, um, at the end of the day, your goal is to get your business on those front pages with as little spend as possible. Uh, and trust me, it's possible. Um, so so that's that's probably the most important thing uh, that I can share with you in terms of how to get in front of people, how to get your business out there. Um, ultimately, the last part which, which is very, very important, is you have to keep a good relationship with your customers. And when I say relationship, meaning like keep a database, have people signed up, 
um, write to them periodically. I'm not saying this because we were amazing at it. You know, I, I could have done a much, much better job at it, and I didn't. I mean, we we have a, a, a huge list of customers, people that have come in and bought, um, and I would send them periodically, you know, emails about things that we were doing because those are important because you don't know who those people are and what they do and what they can help you do so that you can get your name out, right? So the more often you you write to them and make it relevant, you know, you're not just advertising stuff to them and you're not just selling stuff to them. Make Give them also something interesting they want to read about, right? Um, that will also help push you to get noticed and, and get your word out there because all of these people are on social media, right? All of these people are on email, on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram, and whatever, and they're all talking to their friends. Um, and they're all leaving comments and um, they're all kind of, well, uh, Yelp was big, you know, uh, probably at least until about a year ago. Um, but they're out there, they're talking, and they're going to be talking about you as well. So it's important to keep a good database of your customers and keep talking to them um, often. Um, uh, the um, I get I get asked, you know, about how much time should they should I spend on Instagram or should I push stuff on Facebook? Should I advertise? on Instagram or Facebook. I mean, ultimately, you know, I did do some Instagram advertising. Uh, not much. I probably maybe the most I've spent is maybe like $250 a month. Uh, but you don't really need to do much, right? And um, and and I didn't really advertise on, on Facebook. I focused mostly on Instagram because I feel like that's where it's at. And because our products were very picture a bowl if that's a word but um you know so i'll take a really nice picture and then post it on instagram and then support it with like a hundred bucks and that alone would get me you know somewhere between 150 to 250 new followers uh and people going wow where is that now that's my new play my new favorite place or like hey and then they would tag three other friends and let's do this on saturday so that was really worth it uh, I didn't spend any time trying to build a community on Facebook just because um, I didn't see much. I tried it initially and it didn't see much come out of it. Um, and even after doing this for about four years, if I post something and it just happens to be posted on Facebook, I may get maybe like five likes out of the 500 followers that we have, right? So there's absolutely no interaction there on Facebook at all, but there's a lot of interaction on Instagram. Um, in terms of the new stuff like TikTok, um, I haven't done anything on TikTok, so that's probably something, you know, I should focus on, um, later on, but that wasn't a platform that, and it's so new, it's not a platform that we did. Um, Snapchat didn't really do anything on Snapchat either, but you know, these little platforms, they're not, if, if your business is going to be made or broken by you participating in, in Snapchat or TikTok, then maybe you're in the wrong business. I mean, at the end of the day, just focus on the customers that are walking into your shop. Um, and if they're happy, they're going to keep coming back. You know, just think of the, just think of the, 
you know, lifetime value of a consumer. And that's what you should focus on, not necessarily trying to attract people with the newest uh, tool that's out there. Uh, for me, two things, Twitter, so you can talk to a lot of the opinion leaders and you can talk to the journalists and Instagram so you can showcase your product and you can get people to come by for your product. I've, we've had a lot of people come by uh, specifically for our DC S'more and they didn't even know what it was, but they would come by and it, we sold tons of DC S'mores just because of the Instagram. People would stop by and be like, listen, I saw that on the picture. I have no idea what it is, but I, that's exactly what I'm here to do. I want that. So that's that's also uh, a good tool too so again you know i can talk about this topic all day um and probably there's tons of things that um we can talk about things that we did over there specifically um i'll probably dedicate another episode or two down the road um, if you have any questions specifically on pr on how to approach a certain thing a certain theme how to push a certain product just hit me up um, you have my e my email address on um, anchor.fm just go in there or my email address is dolani d-o-l-l-a-n-i at gmail.com so hit me up um, and i'd be glad to help you out with anything and um, i look forward to um, sharing with you the next podcast in a week have a good rest of the day Well, here we are at the end of this episode. I've had a lot of fun. Uh, keep an eye out for future episodes. We'll be bringing in uh, some people with some deep knowledge in various areas of running and owning a coffee shop or a coffee business. Um, so we'll give you guys chances to ask questions um, or even get live on one of our episodes as well. So until then, have a good rest of the day.